This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Jacob Jansen, Artistic Director at Third Avenue Playworks. How's it going, Jacob? Very good. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming in. Uh, You have now been with TAP since a little bit before December, right? Yeah, my position was announced roughly in December, and then I was able to move up here with my family in January. So I'm just starting to get through all of the seasons at this point, which is pretty great. Right. Well, welcome to the podcast, and thank you for coming on. I wanted to talk to you for a while because uh, TAP is a really cool place, and uh, as soon as you were announced as the new artistic director, you were introduced with all these really interesting ideas, and I know that you have a background in doing more collaborative, community-focused work, so I wanted to talk about that, but you also have a really cool project coming up that I wanted to talk about, kind of your your play-reading club that TAP is doing, and we'll, we'll get into that after the break, but before we do that, tell me and the listeners just a little bit about yourself. Sure. So, I'm originally from Wisconsin. I grew up in Kiel, which is you know, a few miles down uh, Highway 57. My folks moved there actually after they met working in a restaurant here in Door County. For a brief bit, my folks worked at a restaurant in Egg Harbor, and then my grandparents owned it for a bit. And it was, uh, I think it was originally called the Thimbleberry Inn, and then it became uh, the Blue Iris when my grandparents owned it. But then they they decamped to Keele, and um, that's where I grew up. And then, you know, went into the arts. I spent a few years at uh, UW-Stevens Point getting a BFA in acting there, and then Set out for the East Coast, spent some years out east on, in Washington, D.C., New York, and then came back to the Midwest for grad school, where I got a degree in directing uh, at DePaul University and then went back east to run a theater company called The Coop, which is a new theater company that does film, TV, and theater development. We got one massive production up, and then the pandemic happened. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it hasn't been a great time for the theater and particularly in New York, which is such a a difficult theater market to produce in. So we pivoted in the direction of new play development. And so I spent a good chunk of the pandemic working with groups of playwrights to develop their plays, to bring them from literally zero pages to a finished draft. Uh, And we found massive success with that. It was a really fun experience and frankly brought so many people so much joy just because... Uh, you know, I don't know if your listeners are aware, but, you know, overnight, every single actor in the United States went unemployed. Yep. That goes for everybody else in the theater too, right? Like basically all production ceased for essentially two years. And the same goes for playwrights. You would think that, oh, this is a great time for playwrights to be writing. But I mean, you know, everybody was stressed out. They didn't know what was going on. And so they had a hard time getting past those like emotional and mental blocks. And the work that we specifically did was trying to figure out how, how can you get past that? How can you make something in this time where it's so, so, so difficult? And so that was the main emphasis of the work that I did uh, during the pandemic. But then my wife and I, we had a kid and, you know, we just thought it might be nice to get a little closer to home. And I saw this opportunity and well, who wouldn't want to move to Door County to run a theater? Right. You know, a couple of things I wanted to touch on that you said. Number one, I think it's fascinating how many people I talk to who move to the county to do something, take over a new position or open a restaurant or something. And like 95% of them say like, 
oh yeah, no, I used to come here as a kid or I have right. some ties here. It's always like the two stories that you see are people who grew up here, moved away for 10, 15 years, did something really cool mm-hmm. on the coasts and then come back with all of this like amazing knowledge and they bring something new here. But then you also get people who, you know, spent most of their lives doing stuff in New York and then mm-hmm. they come back and it's like, what brought you to Door County? And it's like, oh, I used to, my grandparents used to live here. Like mm-hmm. it, it's amazing how many people have ties here and then, come back because I, I didn't know that you you had the ties that you had yeah i mean it's i think this is one of those places that's kind of sticky right like it's got this kind of magnetism to it that when you come up here and you get that little taste you're like well i gotta get back there someday and i think it's 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 a combination of many different things right it's it's the natural beauty that is like undeniable it is the vibrancy of the communities are here and a lot of that has to do with i think personally the sort of breadth and depth of like the artistic and, you know, expression that's up here. So you've got everything from theaters to, you know, writing organizations to poetry organizations. There's like, you know, the schools of art, the plein air festival. I, there's so much culture in such a beautiful place. Like, I think that when folks get up here and they realize like, oh, this is a place you can actually live. This is a place that you can make something. This is a place that you can be in community with other people. It's really, really enticing. Like, you'd be kind of a fool not to come back when the opportunity presents itself. Right. Well, and specifically for theater, I think the two facts that get touted all the time are like Peninsula Players is the oldest summer stock theater in America. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is like we have more theater seats per capita than anywhere else just because we have such a small population. But then Mm -hmm. we have these big theaters here. So, I mean, that's what brought me and my wife here was Mm. the, the theater community. And I think... I think you're right on it. You know, people come here for the nature, they come here for the arts and we do really have this robust and interesting theater community that we, we shouldn't have. <laughs> like when you well, think about, I think we should. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm grateful that we have it, but it, it, it's so interesting that we have the big professional theaters that we have mm-hmm. given everything else about Door County. Yeah. And I, look, I th- here's something that I believe. I think that every town should have a theater in it. You know, I um, I think there's a fundamental devaluation of the arts across our culture, right? Because like growing up in Kiel, we didn't have a theater, (laughs) right? Like, you know, uh, and a lot of folks, like they grew up in a place where they've got like a gymatorium, right? Yep. And and why is it that like folks don't go to the theater, right? Like even going to movies is kind of dwindling, right? So I think that like what's exciting about this place is that there's a community here that has invested in live performing arts, because here's the thing, like at the end of the day, the live performing arts are all about community because what every one of these theaters does is they gather together a community of people to experience something together communally. 90 nights a year, that's something that we do. Pen players, you know, Northern Sky, Door Shakes, right? And I think that it's really important getting people back together in a room because, you know, for two years, we couldn't get together safely. And now we can. And I think it's important to get folks back in the habit of getting together again, right? For whatever whatever event it might be, for whatever company it might be. And of course, I hope they'll come to Third Avenue Playworks because we're doing some really amazing stuff. But I hope that they'll go out and see like the stuff at Birch Creek. I hope they'll go out and see, you know, the stuff at the, you know, the Door Community Auditorium, because each of these organizations is really working to serve this community and really speak to the folks and who make this place their home, you know, no matter how long, 
right? If they're only here for a weekend, if they're here for a couple months, or if they're here all year, all of these organizations are really working hard to make sure that this place is something that stays special. And I think that in our culture, right, we, we should be thinking about how we make the arts as important as any other part of our work, right? As sports or the work that we do, because, you know, it's one thing to work hard all day long and then like go home and like sack out on the couch. But like, I think what the arts can do is they can help us be connected to each other because it is too easy to just like disconnect from everyone. Right. And when you're disconnected, man, like quality of life goes way down. Well, and you touched on how like people are going to the movies less and less. And I think the thing that live performance gives you that nothing else gives you is that experience that you were talking about, because it's not just a group of people in the audience experiencing the same media together like they would be at a a, a movie. But it's the actors on stage. It's the people backstage. It's everybody is experiencing that event together all at the same time. And that's I think the most special part about theater is that everyone's there in the room together. Mm -hmm. And when you acknowledge that we're mm-hmm. all there in the room together. It's it's very special. Yeah, so I've, I've got a friend, Clara Takarabe. She's a player with the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. She plays viola, but she's also a brain researcher at Northwestern. And one of the things that she studies is the impact of the arts on the mind and body. And she's recently published a study, the Journal of Neurology, I believe, that looks at the impact of like performed art. So music, dance, they're working on trying to figure out how to study theater because it's a little bit different, but the impact that it actually has on us. And what they've been able to prove is that the arts lower our cortisol in our body. So the stress hormones, they go down which means that your heart performs better, your brain performs better. It also, they've been able to prove that it increases your vascularity. So your blood flow is easier and better. So your stress goes down, your blood flow is better, which means that your brain functions more effectively. And they've also been able to show the arts, music, theater, dance, et cetera, are able to give us increased blood flow in the prefrontal cortex, higher reasoning and decrease blood flow in, you know, the brainstem, which is all your fight or flight. So the arts, if you start to apply them on a, like, you know, society-wide level, you would see a decrease in, like, heart disease, dementia, and also violence. Because the fight or flight response is the thing that triggers people into violent acts, right? It's an incredible study, and it's the first of its kind. And So there are people out there who are really looking at like, what do we do? How do we make a more, you know, safe and just society? And actually working in the arts is one of the things that we could do. And frankly, it is probably the cheapest thing we can do than like, you know, medicalizing every problem we have or treating, you know, every problem like it's a criminal justice problem. Right. Well, give people the arts. Yeah, there you have it. Go to see theater. It will save your life. It will save your life. That's right. I want to segue here because I think this is the probably the right time to talk about your first year at TAP Mm -hmm. and and what you kind of focused on or what you brought to the organization, because we've been talking about community and and getting people to see stuff. And I know that that's kind of your your focus with stuff. So walk me through how how the first year has been. We're going to take a break and we'll talk about the upcoming shows and and some of the more collaboration stuff that you did. But kind of what was what was the journey like once you hit the ground running at TAP? (laughs) Well, it was fast because I I mean, like I said, I, I arrived in the county in January and, you know, the the charge was pick a season as quickly as humanly possible. And so by about February, I had an idea of what our season was going to be. And I started calling artists, but we, you know, it's been a really fun and exciting thing for me to do, right. Of 
bringing in this community together with these plays. So we started our season with Slow Food, which starred Doug Mancheski, Alan Kapischke, and Claire Morkin, folks that, you know, who if you've seen theater in Door County, you've probably seen these folks. And it's a, a funny little play about people have the absolute worst night at a restaurant in a resort community. Something that I know that like nobody in Door County probably ever experienced. Sure. <laughs> um, but it was a total blast. And then we moved from that into doing a book club play, which is actually the inspiration for one of the collaborations that I've been doing or will be starting to do. And that had a couple of other folks from the community, Cassandra Bissell and Neil Brookshire being two favorites. And then a, a who's who of other folks from you know other parts of the state and uh, Chicago. It was a, a total joy to do. And it was like one of my favorite shows I've seen in a long time. And then we just closed The Last Five Years by Jason Robert Brown. Beautiful contemporary classic musical. uh, Really, really fantastic production directed by Bill Tyson, who your listeners may know of from his work up at Northern Sky. And then Allie Babich was also in it. She also played quite a bit at Northern Sky and at Door Shakespeare. So another sort of local favorite. And then coming up next, we've got Birds of North America, which is a gorgeous play about fathers, daughters, and birding, which I know it sounds like it's a play about birds, right? It is so, it's so beautiful. It's, it's poignant, funny. It's kind of got a little bit of everything and it's such a perfect play for fall. Yeah. And it, I love the title because it sounds like it's a presentation yeah. like at the museum. <laughs> so I'm glad you uh, elaborated. Yeah, no, it's such a gorgeous show. It's like, it's, it's beautifully designed. Maddie Yee is our designer for the set and she's from Milwaukee and is just absolutely knocked it out of the park. Colin Garansky designed the lights and they're gorgeous. And then we've got a really, really special sound design from Brian Grimm, who's a composer based in Milwaukee. Like it is so good. It's, it's not often that I get really excited about like one aspect of it, but like when I listen through these like sound cues, I'm like, yes, that is good stuff. <laughs> you know, you're, you're mentioning all these technical elements and we should say too that the theater that you walked into was completely different than the theater that it was before. And if people haven't been to TAP since the pandemic, they're going to be walking into something brand new. Absolutely. So when the pandemic happened, the community rallied around TAP and they put together a brand new space. So everything was fully redone. It's so beautifully done. Beautiful new lobby spaces. We've got, uh, you know, one of the big things, <laughs> this is essential, is that for the first time ever, we have bathrooms on the same floor as the theater. <laughs> so folks don't have to go upstairs anymore. You know, but the theater itself was fully re-engineered. So now we have a state-of-the-art 124-seat theater where we can produce, you know, on the level of any of the other theaters in the county. TAP has always been known for its absolutely fantastic uh, performances, but now we can marry those fantastic performances with fantastic production. So the sets and things that you see on stage are absolutely on the level with every other theater in the state, you know? And sometimes I think they're really, really, maybe they're even a little better. Well, and the thing that that I was so impressed with when I, I haven't done a tour since it's been finished, so I definitely need to come back and yeah. see it all finished. But as I was walking through once, you know, basically the foundation was up and the, the, the walls were being built is seeing that you had for the first time some of the backstage stuff that is essential that tap didn't really have in the same capacity before. So dressing rooms, a a better place to build sets, which was never really a concern before because everything was on the black box theater. The upstairs now has studio and office space. And there's, there's so much more behind the scenes that you've been able to put into that building to make tap 
function as a theater. And I think that that was the most exciting part to me is just seeing the opportunities that artists are going to have coming to work for TAP. I mean, it's a fully functioning, you know, theater plant now, right? Like we don't have to have anything offsite. Like it's all in the same building. And having the opportunity to have all the artists in the same spot while we're making it is so huge. Right. You know, so many theaters I've worked for, it's like they've got a shop like halfway across town somewhere and then you're like, chopping everything up into pieces and you're like yeah. having to reassemble it in the room or a costume shop is in a different building so everybody has to meet there and exactly right and it's just to have it all in the same building means that we can spend more time working on the art and it also means that we you know can stay more focused on what we're doing so the, the opportunities that were given to us by the folks who gave so generously to support tap in the capital campaign and in the years prior it's really I just feel so lucky coming in and getting to play in this brand new building. It's it's such an amazing opportunity. And I hope I've done them proud because I, I personally feel really great about the, the shows that we've been putting up. And I think we're taking full advantage of everything that was given to us. Sweet. Well, I want to take a break. And then when we come back, I want to talk about some of the, the collaborative stuff that TAP has been doing this year, specifically the Play Reading Club, which I'm very excited about. So we'll take a break and then we will be right back. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org careers. Some of Door County's best stargazing happens indoors. Every year at Door Community Auditorium, we present a star-studded lineup of concerts featuring artists like Brandi Carlile, The Lumineers, Jason Isbell, Mavis Staples, Billy Strings, Beach Boys, and Buddy Guy. You're now listening to Marty Stewart and his fabulous superlatives returning to our stage in Fish Creek, October 22nd. Visit dcauditorium.org for a full calendar of upcoming events and to get your tickets today. Okay, we are back. So you mentioned the book club play, uh huh, which is the name of the play. It's not called the book club. It's called the book club play. That's right. Uh, and that kind of inspired you to reach out into the community, specifically the libraries, to try to form like a little partnership, right? Yeah, it did. And and I had been working with the folks at the library a little bit before that because I don't know if your listeners are aware, but we have a partnership that with the library that's pretty extensive. We currently, as one of our access programs for the community, give away as many as 1,700 tickets a season through the library system. So we have put two tickets at each of the branch libraries per performance, per production. So if you've never been to TAP, you can go to the library and get tickets from your branch library for free, right? Like, Because I think, here's the thing, like I grew up in a small town that didn't have a theater, and I know how important it is because like for me to go see a play when I was a kid, I would have had to drive to Milwaukee, which was like 70 miles. Right. So that means that I didn't go see plays because right. I didn't drive the 70 miles as a 16 year old or whatever. Right. So we wanted to make our work accessible. And I knew that the people who could make that happen for us was the library. So, you know, we got to talking and, and it was like through the, the book club play. I kind of thought, well, man, they got all these book clubs. 
wouldn't it be cool to do like a play club? You know, because they all get together and they read all these fabulous works of literature. But like the theater is a work of literature in a certain sense. And also a play reads in like, you know, an hour and a half. Right. <laughs> you don't have to invest 16 hours into a novel or whatever. We right. can, you can, you know, bang it out real quick in one evening. Well, and I think that that's a really cool part of making theater more accessible too, mm-hmm. because just seeing a show is not the end of, no. of the line for the whole theatrical landscape. And I, I would guess that a huge percentage of people who go see shows have never actually read a play outside sure. of maybe high school or college. Right, right. And reading plays, like, there is so much more that you can consume when you read plays because in your lifetime, unless you live in a place with a lot of theater, how right. many plays are you actually going to be able to experience? You can right. exponentially grow that by reading plays. And then I would say probably an even smaller amount of people have seen a play reading being done, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really, really cool part of theater. It's something that I've geeked out about on the podcast several times, so I won't go down the rabbit hole on it again, but it's such a cool way to see a work in progress, especially if it's a work that's never sure. been produced before. Sure, sure. Well, and one of the things that we're hoping that we can get folks a better sense of is like, what are the choices that are made by theater artists when they are working on a play? Because when you read a play as a sort of blank text, right? And you just look at it, you read it, and you go, okay, well, I see the relationships here, I see the dialogue. But then you, you have to imagine, well, what is the space like? What is the soundscape like? What are the costumes like? And then that's where you start to see all of the artistry that goes into the production of a play. Because you realize like, oh, wait, they don't tell you what they're wearing. Or even if they do tell you what they're wearing or what it sounds like, well, you still got to figure it out. Right? Yeah, like, and, and even on that, there's levels of yeah. how descriptive playwrights are. Some playwrights are are very interpretive, and yeah. then others like to dial into the very specific things. One of my favorite things is reading a play and seeing, like, or especially reading it after I've seen a show and being like, oh, wow, that moment that I loved from the show was completely created by the actors and the director. Mm-hmm. Or vice versa, seeing yep. a moment that I loved and being like, wow, they, they wrote out every single action of that. Yeah, yeah. Of that moment. Right. I, I think that's cool to actually see. Yeah. And so we want to give some, you know, folks a sense of what goes into playmaking, what goes into making, you know, theater art. And I think one of the best ways to do that is to get folks to read the play and get a sense for like, oh, what is it that we do? What, is, what are the choices that we make? How is it that a director works with an actor on this like difficult, you know, language or something, right? If you're doing Shakespeare, how do you make that thing flow? And just giving people a greater sense of like ownership over this whole vast canon of literature, right? That there is something there that you can engage with. And as I said, you can do it in about two hours (laughs) on average, right? So like you can burn through 10 plays a week um, if you're really diligent about it. And so for us, we're gonna start with, we're gonna read Birds of North America at the Sturgeon Bay Library. And it's it's gonna be such a fun time because for me, I got a chance to spend some time chatting with the playwright about how she made the play. And I'm excited to talk with the folks who read it to see what their perspective is on it. Because now having worked on it, right, I have my own opinions about it. But now I'm excited to see, well, what are these other people who read the thing for the first time? What do they see in the play that maybe like I don't see because of their life experience? And, and like that's one of the things about the theater that's so exciting, right? It's like every person who comes to it gets to reinterpret it through their own lived experience. And they would make a wildly different production than I would. And so that's one of the great joys of like getting a group of people together to read a play is you just get to hear all of the different ideas about it. Right. Well, and, and what I love about play reading, not only just 
because of seeing art in progress. And like, if you see a play reading really early on in the like life cycle of the play, and then you see it fully produced, you may see things change. You may see endings tweaked. You get to kind of see the progress of it. But the other thing that I love is when you see a play reading, they're, you know, generally have little to no choreography, no sets, no costumes. So you're just living in the dialogue, which is the mm-hmm. lifeblood of the performance. You just get to interrogate that really heavily rather than, you know, filling your mind with everything else that's happening on stage. Right. And so, and, and just to be clear, I think just for your listeners, like what we're doing at the libraries, we're going to, we're going to read it like it's a book club. So it's going to be more of like a discussion piece, but those, these sort of play readings that you're discussing, you know, these sort of developmental readings, which I've done a lot of with playwrights over the years. And we will probably be doing some of those this year because third Avenue Playworks is part of the world premiere Wisconsin festival which if you haven't talked about that on the podcast yet, uh, I highly recommend it. Well, it um, sounds like you're going to be back for another episode. <laughs> I think I might have to be. But the World Premier Wisconsin Festival is a statewide festival that is kicking off this season where 11 of the 13 theaters in the state are going to be producing a world premiere production roughly in the same time window. So your listeners can go see a show here at Third Avenue Playworks. They can go see a show up at Northern Sky, at Penn Players, and then they can go down to all the theaters in Milwaukee and Madison and Spring Green and see some remarkable new writing happening. But before that, there's going to be all these developmental readings because as we're working on this production, we need to work on the text. So we need to get actors in a room and hear the thing aloud and get a sense for how does this thing work right? Because the building of a play, it doesn't just happen in the rehearsal period. It happens in the months and years before the production ever happens. And they are, as you said, one of the most exciting things because I have seen plays start in one place and radically evolve over time where it's, they are unrecognizable from beginning to end of the process, which is really thrilling. You know, some plays also like I've seen plays where it's like, yeah, they go through the workshop process and like, no, it was good. It was done. (laughs) No notes. Right. Like I figured it out. But I think the joy of those sort of workshops is you figure out like, you know, there's always something right. There's always this little question that's kind of like troubling you as an artist. And then all of a sudden you crack it. And the whole thing just opens up and you go, oh, that's what this play is about. Okay, we got to rewrite the ending. <laughs> and then they do and it's magic. Right. All right. So that was my play reading sidebar. Tell <laughs> me about the play reading club. So the play club will be doing at the Sturgeon Bay Library on Wednesday, October 19th at 3 p.m. in the library space itself. The library does have copies of the play available because this is a pre-publication script. So you're getting the freshest of the fresh plays here to read as part of this play reading program. And as I said, we're reading Birds of North America by Anna Oyang Monsh. It's a gorgeous play about fathers, daughters, and birding. Uh, it's beautiful, moving, funny, and it's kind of amazing when you, you read the thing and then you see it in person, how like the richness that an actor can bring right. to a text. So we're starting with Birds of North America, and then we're going to pick a play together as a group for the next one. But, like, we foresee reading all sorts of different stuff. We'll be reading everything from Shakespeare to Shaw, you know, and then hopefully some of the, the world canon, right? Or maybe some, like, Susan Laurie Parks or, you know, maybe some, you know, international playwrights as well. And I'm going to be trying to bring in some of my friends, my playwright friends, who are writing contemporary scripts so that hopefully maybe people can get a sense of a play in process. What is it like to be read a first draft? What is it like to read 
a play that is much farther along in its development. Because I want to sort of like pull back the curtain on what is the process of making a play. And then I'm hoping that at some point we'll be able to get like a playwright in there as well to have the conversation with the group. Because I think that's also really fun because every playwright has a totally different process is how they make their plays. And I think it's always a wonderful experience to get to talk to them about what it is to write. So this play reading program is going to be something that we're going to do monthly. And as I said, this play is about 90 minutes to read. Most plays are about two hours to read front to back. They're always about 100 pages-ish, and it's about a minute per page. So not a massive time investment. Right. <laughs> if you were thinking like, oh, this is you know less than two weeks away, you could pick it up the night before, and you'd be fine. You got time. Trust me, as somebody who went to grad school and I had to read a lot of plays, you can read it the night before. Oh, I hope my teachers don't hear this. Yeah, no, it, was, it was absolutely the same for me. It was me and my now wife sitting in my dorm at midnight the night before <laughs> yeah, yeah. and reading it aloud to each other. Um, but no, this is, I, I just want to hit how cool this program is. Like, this is, to have something like this available in Door County is incredible. If anybody listening to this even has the the slightest interest in learning more about theater or seeing mm -hmm. theater in progress. This is a really, really cool program. What do people need to know? Like, where can they find more information about it? They can find more information on the Door County Library's website. They have it listed in their events. We'll also be posting in our social media feeds about that at Third Avenue Playworks. And I know that the library is posting about it as well because... They are also very excited about it because there are lots of book clubs up here, but there's nothing like this. Right. There's nothing like this. And I think the closest thing that you can get to this like tangible experience would be Read Door County, yeah. which happens every year where they'll bring an author in. You read the author's book, then you have these kind of like one-on-one -on -one Q and A's and presentations right. by them. This is really this is really cool too, being able to go read a play and then see the play right. in short order, but then also like bringing in guest artists and playwrights and getting that one-on-one. -on because -one. how often do you actually get to talk to a playwright of a show that you're seeing? It's, right. it's very, very seldom. Even in the in like the playwriting world, you might, you know, write a play and then it gets produced and who knows if you even get to see the play, depending on how right. successful it is. So having that connection to the playwright, I think, is is really special. Yeah, and I, and, and who knows if Anna will be able to, I, I, I kind of doubt she'll be able to be a part of this first one. But as we, we develop this program and we're looking at plays with playwrights that I know personally, you know, who are getting their work done, like that's something where we can really bring folks in. You know, and I'm, I'm hopeful that we can start to develop those connections to writers who are in Wisconsin. Because there's a couple uh, of really fantastic playwrights who have moved to Wisconsin in the last couple of years during the pandemic who are making fantastic work. And so I want to help folks understand that playwriting is not just something that happens on, you know, the East and West Coast. It happens everywhere. And we have some really great writers in Wisconsin and the upper Midwest. And I'm hoping that we can develop those relationships as well and get people to kind of understand that they're here too. And like, you could meet them. <laughs> Well, Jacob, is there anything else that we haven't touched on about TAP or the the Play Reading Club or anything else that you want to tell people about before we wrap up? Well, absolutely. I think folks should come and see Birds of North America. Tonight is opening night, and then we are running until October 30th. 
is a fantastic and fabulous play, so I hope you'll all come. And then uh, up after that, we have A Christmas Carol, a live radio play that will be happening in December. It is really going to be a fun show because it is a live radio show that is done in front of you with a live musician and Foley artist making all the sound effects and then five actors doing like 40 different roles. So it's going to be a total blast. It's going to have a bunch of folks who are like local favorites, uh, Dan Clare, Elise Edelman, Cassandra Bissell, Neil Brookshire, and then Ray Givoff in it. It's an absolute murderer's row of Door County talent. So you'd be a fool to miss it. And it's going to be an absolute like Christmas miracle. (laughs) So you got to come on down for that as well. And then be on the lookout for our season announcement because I'm working on it right now. And I'm hoping that we'll have something soon. So be looking for it. Great. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting about all the cool stuff that's going on at TAP. Welcome back to Door County. uh, And I can't wait to see uh, the rest of this season and beyond. Thanks so much. Come see a show. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.